Hello, welcome to the Mostly Yoga Podcast. My name is Aaron. Thank you for listening. Thank you for... Oh, that was my clock. <laughs> it's 6pm. Every hour it will make a... It, like the thing will move in a... <laughs> okay, never mind. I'm just going to keep going. Uh, yes, this is my clock. Uh, time now is 6pm. It was raining just now. It's nice cool weather. Uh, I'm sitting in my room as always. My mom's outside in the living room. Uh, haven't had dinner. I'm gonna eat soon. Uh, so how's how's things? How's everyone? Hope you're all doing well. Uh, I got a couple of new sponsors today, so I will announce them. It's been a while since I've had an, a, any sponsors. Uh, or not really sponsors. Like it's more just things that my friends are doing that I want to help promote. I'm not getting paid for any of this, so it's just, you know, using my humble platform as another voice. So if you happen to be listening to it, and you want to check out these things, feel free. And there's a couple of uh, discount codes or so. So, okay, so I'll just I'll just say it, right? Okay, for, so first one is, um, is this activewear brand that my friend Steph started. It's called iMala. It's spelled I-M-A-L-A, like the, like the, you know, the, the Haiti Lao thing. Okay, so Aymala, every day, it's everyday activewear that 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 energizes and inspires your daily choices. Whether you're pre- <laughs> okay. whether you're practicing okay. <clears throat> okay, 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 serious. Whether you're practicing yoga, deadlifting your PR, climbing those boulders or cycling long distances, here's everything you need for your workout. Okay, you know what? I don't I don't read it. I just say I talk about it. So, uh, it's just a, it, it's active way, right? For for when you go to the gym, when you when you go to yoga, whatever sport that you do, it's something that is comfortable. They they have a girls. I mean, their main thing is the girls selection. Only recently they got the guys one. So then I went down for a photo shoot with them, and then uh, I, I she gave me a pair and I tried it. And it's nice. I really like it. I think for the guys one, there's only like a t-shirt and a tank a muscle tee or a tank top uh not tank top muscle tee or singlet what do you what do you call those things with no sleeves right and uh i tried them it's really nice and i'm and ooh, i cracked my knuckles i really like it so uh if you want to check it out i don't know about the girls one but if you do uh want to buy something there's a discount code it's uh mostly yoga for 15 percent off hey hey <laughs> Uh okay, well, what else did I say? Uh okay, that's all. Uh. Go to the website at imalaofficial.com and the Instagram at imalaofficial. Um next sponsor is haha, this one. Okay, wait, let me pull this up. Uh so this is this is uh by uh our lovely Mayan. She is a teacher at home if you don't know who she is. And she is also um, aside from all her busy stuff that she's involved in, she's also happen. Uh, she's also doing um, flower arrangements. So if you're into any um, floral uh, arrangements for gifting or for just you know having it on your for yourself, you can contact her. It's called Wild Flowers by May. Uh, I I wrote I I wrote a little blurb for this, but I think. Oh no, where is it? Okay, here it is. I th- okay, I'll just... <laughs> okay, I'll just read what 
because I, I asked me like, hey, what do you want me to say? Uh? Then then she said, okay, just, then she just copy and paste this thing. So I'll just read this entire thing. Okay. Uh, okay, so I, uh, it's wildflower, but uh, okay, it's wildflowers by May with the handle at wildflowers by May, the um, heart emoji. Uh, I open creation windows every month. So, okay, I'm speaking in third, I mean, first person, right? I'm, I'm, I'm her, right? Okay, so she says, I open creation windows every month. So, follow, so can follow to stay tuned and order if the dates suit them. I think this means that like every month she will have like uh, order windows so you can order during that time, then she'll make it, then she'll deliver it by the whatever date. That's what I'm assuming, right? Uh, I occasionally put, put up jars of arrangements for sale too. So I guess pre-made stuff. Uh, what, uh, that can age beautifully and can be dried. So these things can be dried, like flowers. Dried flowers can keep longer, right? Uh, the purpose of this path is to explore freedom and expression through flowers, and to also encourage intentional gifting. Oh, so sweet! I really like that that idea. I also collaborate with my sis, her sis, not my sis, um, who does calligraphy. Wow, and typewriter things. <laughs> uh, for those who want, for those who want that is an add-on. Oh, okay. So, so I think if you have, uh, you want to write like cards along with those uh flowers. She does calligraphy, which I've seen before, right? She she does her calligraphy as well as, uh, typewriter things, whatever that is. I guess it's just font font styles. So yes, my goodness, why is this so intense? Okay, let's go back to my original script for a bit. Today, I'm going to talk to Angio. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm having too much fun. <sighs> okay, serious bit. Today, I'm uh, talking, my guest is Angio. Um, she's also a teacher at home. And if you've been to her classes, she has a very unique style of teaching, which uh, I guess is in a way her trademark, right? She, she's very physically anatom- anatomically like you know specific her practices uh, her sequences have a always have an intention she, you know that like when I went to a class recently she would say what she wants to do with that intention and then as you progress through the class you sort of like I ah, I get what you're doing um so yeah that it's it's always I, I always it's interesting to to hear how she explains all this and uh, we talk about um, her stepping into the role of a teacher. Um, what to, uh, the things? Oh, so side note: she's holding a lot of workshops and TTs along in in this month, actually. So you can check out all the links below if you want to find out more. But so okay, so going back, <laughs> I'm all over the place. Okay, going back. Uh, uh, she explains about what to expect in in a TT, and I'm guessing also what to expect in her TT since she sort of breaks that down. Um, the importance of understanding anatomy, that's one, and managing injuries, which is also one of her modules, or not modules, um, one of the things, one of the workshops that she offers, something about understanding injuries. And understanding your body and, and the risks of yoga, quote-unquote the risks of yoga, right? And then she opens up a little bit more at the end about like being a mom, how she dealt with uh, postpartum anxiety, and just you know it's a nice little conversation, a very lighthearted, very informative. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Angie. I'm sure you're listening to this. Um, I'm glad. Um, thanks for 
taking the time off your busy schedule. Hope the little one's doing well. Hope hope your family's doing well. Uh, let me see what else. Oh, okay. oh, of course. Um, if you are a long time listener and you would like and you like what you hear, go to coffee.com/slash/mostlyyoga to show your support. If you decide to donate, thank you very much in advance. And if you don't, that's fine as well. Just keep listening to it. All this is free. Happy to make it. Happy to 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 trend this out. Um, what else? Okay, lah. That's it for now. Just go ahead, listen to it. Uh, without further ado, here is Angie. Oh, enjoy. Test, test, test. Can I? Okay. Strategies, yeah. Have you had lunch? Uh no, but I have like a lot of my guys now. Oh, okay lah, but that one is quite small. Can I? <laughs> okay, let me see. Okay. <laughs> Has it been a while since you? No leh. You know every time, <laughs> every time I do this, I still feel very nervous. Eh. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Thanks for coming down to do this with me, Angie. Hello. Yes. I was like, I was. I'm always very thankful for the people that come by and and, and want to talk to me. Mm. Um, we're sitting in Orchard, the studio, which is where I I do all my podcasts now. Previously, it was at Raffles Place when it was still open. I would there's a little room upstairs where I'll do it. Then sometimes I'll go to people's houses. Sometimes they'll come to mine. But then when COVID happened, it was very hard for that. So then I ended up doing it in the studio. And then when that studio closed, then I ended up doing it here. So here we are. Uh, and we have a little guest also. Cass is over there sitting at the corner. She wanted to kipo, so she's there like helping us take pictures and eavesdropping. Okay. Um. Again, welcome to the <laughs> welcome to my humble setup here, as you can see. Um. So, Angie, you have a to begin right. Uh, you have a very unique style of. Teaching the way you conduct your classes is very alignment focused. It's very anatomical, you know, driven. And I'm sure that's also an influence of your teacher, Jason Crandall. He's also another one, very, you know, mm. alignment focused. So I think the question that I wanted to lead into with that was, how did that first come about? Was this through your practice that you discovered? This particular method, where you want to delve deeper into it, or was it something else? But before we go into that question, we bring it back a little bit further about just how your you first discovered yoga, what brought you to the mat, and 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 how did how did that journey come about? Yes, I think um, I first started practicing yoga when I was twenty, so that's like ten years ago. Uh, yeah, I know everyone like <laughs> always feel like I'm I'm very young, but I'm young, I'm happy that I reached the age young. where no I I reached the thirties. I'm quite excited. Uh-huh. Uh, but just backtracking. Um, first discovered yoga when I was twenty. I was in university then. Um, in mass comms communication mm-hmm. studies as yeah. they call. Um, having a very hard time adjusting in school and having friends and and just uh feeling like I belong. And I think. At that age, that age. Um, a lot of your identity is surrounding or is very much focused on how much you feel accepted in quotations or valued by the people around you. So when I had a hard time adjusting in school and when I went on exchange and there were a lot of 
difficulties um, in terms of adjusting to life overseas. I think that really took a toll on my mental health and I wanted something that I could just be with myself and be okay to be with myself. Wait, so, uh, so you were traveling when you were young? Uh? Yeah, so I um, so in university, you get to do like a six-month exchange. Yeah. Where do you go? And I went to Canada. Sure. I love Canada. <laughs> the further, I, way the better. Yeah, I still love Canada. Uh, and But I was in this university town called Ontario. Uh, it's, it's, it's so as as the name suggests a university town so a town that revolves around the university so the it's a very small town two hours away from Toronto uh. Uh, and basically there isn't really much going on and I think going living there as someone who who spent her entire life growing up in Singapore it's quite a bit of a culture shock because everything closes at like 5pm mm. nothing happens on the weekends people stay in um, and it was like in the midst of winter so winter in Canada is brutal like I think even at that place it's not as bad as it could have been it was like minus 20 minus 25 degrees Celsius yes it gets worse up uh, as you go further like what is into, full on snow and everything I must wear yeah like- yeah, pretty intense. So yeah. they will like have warnings and say that oh, you know, don't like expose your skin out yeah. too much. You might, you know, get like, uh, yeah. You were so there for six months. I was there for like six months. Um, so being very alone and in a foreign country and being very young also, yeah. I think I didn't have a lot of toolkits in terms of keeping myself sane. Essentially, right? You didn't have like a community sane. or so like. It's hard to really have a community as well. Yeah. So uh, my community was yoga. So there was like a hot yoga studio, like 10 minute walk from my place. Uh, and really that was like all I had. So I ended up like going for class, like maybe two, sometimes three times a day. Wow. A day, yeah. To, to just feel like I'm something in a community to to, and something uh. to kind of focus my mind on and all that. Um, and of course, because being in the midst of a very brutal winter, uh, hot yoga was very comforting. mean <laughs> physically as well, right? Because it's nice. Uh, so that was really how I kind of got started. Um, prior to that backtracking, I did go to like one or two yoga classes in Singapore through like back then there were Groupons. Guava, is it? Guava. No, it was even pre-Guava. It was like Groupon, yeah. uh, Groupon passes. So uh, I did like, there's this one yoga space. I wouldn't even call it a studio. It's just like a space where they did yoga classes. It was like in an industrial area in Yunos. That was like my very first yoga class. I did it with my then boyfriend now husband Uh, we first we just started dating then yeah and then uh, soon after uh, I actually came to home uh, and started practicing here but very very sporadically because honestly on a student budget I couldn't really afford much Uh, the only when I went on exchange that things got a little bit more serious in that sense so before that when you were still when you tried out the few studios here Mm. it was just like something to do right just to move yeah and then when you were there in, in, in Canada, mm. hot, a hot class in a cold country, that is very appealing. Uh, yeah. 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 How does it feel uh, to, to do yoga in a cold country? Because I've done that before. It's not, yeah. it's not, not fun. Eh. It's like, I love it. Is it? Yeah. So like you were, obviously, you, you feel like you need to sweat. I, feel yeah. like, I felt like I needed to sweat and you don't sweat much when yeah. you're in a very cold country. So I got to sweat and then when I came out, I'm like, cooled down almost like immediately you know and it's really I don't know I just really like that feeling I think a lot of it has got to do with like me needing some form of challenge physically Uh, and I felt like at that moment in time the heat presented a very nice challenge for me to work through 
Um, and I think that was really when I not just got hooked on yoga, but also got hooked on hot yoga. Mm. So my journey very much started on a lot of heated practices. Was this hot flow or like Bikram? Everything. So I started with Bikram, then I moved on, then sequence got a little bit repetitive yeah. for me, for my liking. So I moved on to hot hatha, hot flow, um, but a lot of heated classes. I didn't really enjoy non-heated classes at that point. Crazy, I know. Yeah. But uh, uh, because I felt like I wasn't sweating as much, yeah. I didn't feel like it was an exertion. I yeah. use this in quotations as well. Um, that I needed for my body and my mind at that point in time. So yeah, that was really how I got started. And when I came back from Canada, um, that was when th- things kind of got kicked into gear. So I made sure like I saved up enough for a membership. I, I did 30 day like hot yoga challenge here mm. last time, like a couple times actually. I don't know how, like thinking back, I don't know how I did that. Cause like it's like 30 days of hot classes. So usually by then I was in final year of university. So my schedule was really nice. Like I probably start at like past lunch, right? So I will come, I'll go for a morning class in town and then I'll continue my journey up to the west because I, I studied NTU last time so far west uh, and that was a very nice routine for me also because like I've mentioned I was struggling a lot in school with regards to just trying to fit in or just trying to be okay with being on my own not having a lot of friends so um, I felt like just uh, at that point going to school honestly can be mentally challenging for me to just feel like there's a lot of anxiety around the idea of going to school uh, and so doing the practice helped me to be a bit more grounded and to bring that feeling along with me throughout the day um, was something that I really cherished. So some days I would, if I could manage, I'll do a, like a two classes before I get to school because I could come in early in the morning. Some days I'll just do maybe one class. Um, so it depends, but it was, it eventually became like a really nice routine um, to help me kind of get through the final year of school. Uh, and then in the last semester of school, while we were still busy with our final year projects and getting ready for graduation, I actually did my teacher training then because that was when I decided that, okay, I'm going to do my teacher training. This was in Canada? No, this was in Singapore, home, yeah. back yeah. home. Yeah. So I did my 200-hour teacher training. Um, and then towards the end of the 200-hour teacher training, I was offered uh, a, a teaching gig plus to do marketing for a studio. Now uh, it used to be Yoga Collective. Right. Yeah, so um, and I felt like oh that's perfect because like stars align. Huh? Yeah, like you know I was like graduating and I was like maybe I just want to teach for a bit before I move into a corporate job if if I want to, and having that teaching slash marketing gig allowed. So that was me your, to, your first job. Uh? Yeah. Wow. So I was twenty three maybe. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so that allowed me to feel like I wasn't wasting my comms degree. Like it's like, oh, okay, I could marry like teaching and still doing a bit of marketing and PR, like social media stuff on the side. So that felt like a perfect arrangement for me. So I, I, I said yes. And then when I graduated, started teaching uh, and started doing all that marketing stuff. So that's really pretty much how it all started. Mm. Yeah. Okay, okay. And then from there, it just sort of developed into what it is now. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I would have to say that my teaching at the very beginning uh, has changed a lot. Um, I mean, I think it's a natural pro- progression yeah. for everybody who's been into something for an X number of years that you will you change, right? you will change. Yeah. You change as a person, things happen to you, and then your practice, whatever that you share, ends up changing also. Yeah, so I would say that just like my practice at the very beginning of my journey, my teaching at the start was also very rigorous. 
um, very fitness based um, a lot of uh, I think that's something that a lot of new teachers go through as well you kind of fit in like 20 poses in one class like 20 new poses in a class and like you just want to make sure that everyone kind of like feels that it's strenuous and you feel like okay I think I did my job uh, so I think I went through a lot of that at the very beginning as well simply also because I was obviously nobody really feels ready after finishing 200 hours right yep. yeah and but yet like I also felt like I was just kind of thrown into the deep end like okay you're graduated now teach a class tomorrow so I graduated on Sunday and then Monday lunchtime, I was teaching a wow, class. Wow, that is very scary. Eh? Yeah, so I had like a little notebook. I mean, everyone has that, right? A little <laughs> notebook, little, yeah, on the top of your mat. Yeah, yeah and, and, and just a lot of times, uh, my mantra, or like my, my uh, maybe not a mantra, but the thing that I always hold on to uh, when I first started teaching, at least in the first two to three years, was like, fake it till you make it. Mm. So a lot of it was just like me gritting my teeth and like, okay, let's just do it. And then, you know, hope I did a good job. Um, so a lot of that kind of a lot of my initial experiences post teacher training and as a newbie teacher um, I think shaped a lot of how I approach my trainings I know I'm kind of jumping now but um, how I approach my trainings now in terms of me wanting to provide more support for teachers especially new teachers and back when I was still doing teacher training last year two years back um, me making sure that they feel supported even when they receive their certificate um, knowing that that's not really the end of it and it's not like we are just like bye-bye you know um, you're on your own now you've got yeah. to teach a 60-minute class and be great at it. Um, it the communication is always open you know um, graduates sometimes they still text me and they still like hey you know I have this student um, I wasn't sure how to sequence this class or I had this student with an injury why I'm not quite sure what I should avoid and all that so I always make it a point to be very clear with my trainees that hey guys you know even if you've graduated and we don't see each other as often anymore but just know that um, I'm still trying to create resources for you guys mm. uh, and whether it's paid trainings or whether it's stuff that I might put out on my website or social media but also privately right if you need to reach out to me for anything just know that you know I'm available yeah. that's a nice that's a nice way to like keep the door open uh, mm. like you especially like what you said when when you finish your 200 hours I would not have been able to teach the class the next day eh? like when I like when I did my first yoga TTA I thought I knew a lot about I thought I damn zai I thought I knew a lot about <laughs> yoga yeah. then when I went when I finished my TT, I realised I don't know anything mm. and then like I I was like how do people teach like I don't know anything I don't know what to do now then I had to really after the TT, then that's where I sort of like really decided to put in effort into learning how to teach and refining it because I felt that my TT, my first one was more of like deepening my practice not so much helping me to teach and then when I came out of it I was like huh how do I teach now then I like Mayan was my friend back then or so then she she helped me along the way and then when I first taught when I f taught my first class I was just like all over the place usually you are and then you start to grow from that like, you, like the, the learning curve for teaching yoga is very high yeah. but then it gets easier as time goes on because you're more familiar with what to do how to react and who you are so la, mm. right like mm -hmm. what you, you your your voice your identity is a bit more mm. defined already by then yeah. yeah did you do any other sports before that or, I was or was just like yoga the first lot. thing I was running a lot um, <coughs> I used to do like 10 clicks like you know we would, I would take part in those like stand charts mm. and all that so 10 was my max um, I enjoyed running in the past and then it just kind of was something that I suddenly just grew out of 
I think also on top of finding yoga, I just suddenly felt like running was very repetitive and like, uh, it's, I don't know if that's something that I kind of enjoy. Even up to now, like sometimes my husband would be like, maybe you can go for a run and then I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, so I think back, I mean, even in my teenage years, running was probably the thing I do. Uh, I was like in not in any like sports CCA or in anything. I was actually in choir. Yeah, so it, I was in a very arts and humanities kind of background. Um, and then it all changed kind of when I when I stumbled upon yoga, interestingly. Yeah. Interesting. So like you, you, were, you, weren't, you weren't out of shape, but you weren't super fit so right? You're not like an athlete. La. No. And it was just yoga that sort of opened up that door for you. So mm. Okay, okay. And like say we go back to that first, that first question about the way that you teach and your style. What defined it? And through the years of your practice or so, how has that developed? So I think at the root of it all, I'm a very type A person. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure everyone can tell. I'm very, very type A. And I think that has kind of gotten, I wouldn't but, say gotten worse, but like, you know, that type A person yeah. that kind of gotten stronger. I would say like in the past, maybe four, three to four years, I suppose. So being a very type A person would mean that I'm very systematic with the way I do things. Mm. Um, and obviously that translated into the way I teach my classes as well. So very systematic, very like detailed. Yeah. Yeah. So um, and when I lead my when I do teacher trainings, when I led teacher trainings, I mean I was training those uh, students, the thing that I always highlight when I teach sequencing and I get students, uh, get the graduates or the trainees to um, to plan classes is that I want an objective. And when they send me sequences with no objective listed and it's just like, uh, I would say, a verbal vomit of poses that they're going to take the students through, I, I wouldn't even look at it. I'll just give it back and say, I need an objective first. Then you Whoa. make sure that it's right at the top of your document before you send it to me. Because I think that that really anchors the whole yeah, class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To have an intention. Um, it may not be a physical objective, but it, there has to be a certain quality or a certain feeling or a certain intention that you want to convey. Mm. So you can't come into class and then just be like, I don't know, like just let's you know, just do whatever, yeah. right? You might it might work for you, but to sustain that over a long period of time, and if you are planning to be a part time or even a full time teacher, you cannot survive on that. Uh, so that that I think a lot of my teaching philosophy and teaching style all boils down to that. Interesting. So it's funny because I'm still I'm like in the midst of like doing all the behind the scenes work for my teacher training coming next year and like I literally have like Google documents and like it's 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 pretty crazy like I sometimes I take a step back I look at myself and like this is a little bit crazy all the content uh. yeah but um, I believe very strongly in organization and and being able to organize things properly I believe rests a part of your brain so you are not thinking all the time like wait what should I be doing next wait what, what, what what's gonna happen um, so I believe strongly in that system so that's kind of the core of it like my personality type and then kind of moving on I think a lot of it really was uh, I wasn't really a very alignment or an anatomical based kind of teacher until I started uh, training with Jason Crandall and that was in 2018 when he did his first uh, uh, 300 hour teacher training in Asia so he has never led a 300 hour training outside of uh, where he's based or even outside of Europe uh, so this is the first time in Asia and he did it in Hong Kong. Hong Kong, yeah. Yeah, so I decided to just bite the bullet and do the whole thing. So I flew back and forth like three times. 
Oh, it's that that kind. Yeah, because yeah, like he, he, yeah, right? he yeah, did it so. modular style, so it was every six months. Yeah. So I finished it in twenty nineteen. Yeah, three, June twenty nineteen. Three years, uh, or two years? No, no, I took about a year. Every half, six and years, half. Uh, so every six every months. Every six months, yeah. yeah. So, um, I would say that my training with Jason kind of ignited the interest in anatomy because prior to that, very honestly, like back in my two hundred hour teacher training, um, anatomy was something that we memorized. It was very rote learning. We had a textbook of all the name of the muscles. And you just need to memorize and need to memorize the origins and insertion, even though they may or may not have a lot of relevance to yoga, teaching yoga. Yeah. And for someone who is in a very arts and humanities background since secondary school and JC dry, and man. uni, like it's just something that kind of flew over my yeah. head. So I have to say that I kind of got through 200 hour teacher training not having a very strong understanding on anatomy. Like basic stuff I know, but beyond that, no mm. idea. Which is crazy, right? Um, for someone who is teaching a movement practice who have very little knowledge and awareness on how the body moves. So I would say that that kind of shifted a fair bit uh, in 2018 when I met Jason because the way in which he distills anatomy concepts was something that was very easily understood. So yeah, yeah. suddenly things made sense to me. I'm like, oh, okay. And he, he's so great with analogies. He's so great yeah, yeah, yeah. with kind of making complex uh, concepts simple. So that kind of ignited my interest um, in terms of that anatomy part of it. So I have to say that my teaching shifted quite a lot after doing his training. Um, usually what happens, right? I mean, I think this is the case for everybody is that you do a training with a teacher and then maybe for that next two months or maybe a month, your teaching completely switches to like very, very much strongly influenced by the training you just did. And then maybe a few months later, it kind of, everything kind of comes back to a new balance where yeah. you have a little bit of what you learned in the training. And a little bit of you also inside. And a little yeah. bit of you inside. So it took a while for me to kind of find my balance and my normal again. Because when I first came back from Hong Kong and um, I did the training, uh, I did the class with my students and my students looked at me like, who is this person? Like, yeah, you know, suddenly yeah, yeah, everything yeah. is like a lot slower. Suddenly, we are repeating things, which is crazy to them or to a teacher, right? Um, can get into that a bit more later, but... Uh, what do you mean by re repeating things? So, like, repeating poses, repeating um, oh, like certain in the, sequences. In the, so, in the same class, you repeat... Yeah, okay. yeah. So, oftentimes, a lot of new, especially newer teachers, they kind of trip up over the fact that uh, they feel like they have to do a new thing every time. yeah, yeah. Right, and it's almost like oh, I repeated something, you know, it's almost like a bad thing. Mm. But um, I mean, Jason mentioned this before, he kind of addressed it as well. It's like, imagine like a musician, right? To play a, a music or a piece of music really masterfully and really well, do you really think that he did it one time every mm. three months or once a year? No, right? He probably did the same thing consistently over a long period of time, and that's when he kind of mastered that Refine piece. Refine it, lah. Yeah, That's, so yeah. I felt like, oh, that was kind of like a little light bulb moment for me. I was like, oh yeah, you know, that makes so much sense because sometimes um, we feel like we have to come up with something new every time yeah. we teach. Uh, but maybe students can get a little bit more value from repeating certain things. And I don't think repeating things is a bad thing as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there is a benefit to the fixed sequences, you know, yeah. the ashtangas and the big yes, grams precisely. and all that, right? Yeah. So there's definitely something that people go back to mm. even though it's similar yeah. and as vinyasa teachers sometimes we feel or at least I feel that especially in home where people go back to back classes right and I was like hey this person come from the first class I need to change things and at the first few months I, that's what I did mm. but then afterwards like 
I get the benefit of a of a of doing the same thing, but maybe also even if it's the same sequence, it's not really the same class all the time. Even though I'm doing the same thing, yeah. things are always different, and sometimes you switch things up a little bit. But I think now I'm not as afraid to like repeat certain things mm. because at the end of the day, everything every class will have a warrior two, warrior three. You know, it's all the yeah. same. It's all the same yoga poses, mm. one. So you're gonna be repeating it anyway. But it's how you. Your intention, right? You go back to the intention. Mm-hmm. If you want to open up certain things, you do this. Which say you want to open up your shoulders. You're you're always gonna be doing a particular pose yeah. that always does that, whether it's a bind or a twist or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's it's still repeating in that sense, but it's how you, you know, manage it in that yeah. in your own way. Yeah. I mean, it, I always uh, oftentimes I also get students who may have because usually I have one sequence for the week. So, however many classes I teach, I stick to that sequence. Uh, and and sometimes students maybe come and go to my Monday class and then they come for Tuesday. So it's the same sequence, right? Um, and oftentimes the feedback I get is like, oh, you know, this time I feel like I have a bit more uh, stamina to get through. Because there's consistency. Yeah, or like they feel yeah. like, okay, now I feel like I can go a little bit deeper because I know what's going to happen next. Mm. So that's, to me, um, a valuable thing, right? Um, because it's the same sequence. You feel differently every day about the sequence or in your mm. body, uh, even without the practice. Um, and and sometimes being able to repeat certain things allows you to be a bit more present in the moment mm. right in the moment where let's say you're internally rotating your arm how you're feeling um, and all that and you may not have that kind of revelation or that kind of insights when you're doing it for the first time because at the first time you're just like oh my god it's when very is normal gonna end? it's very new it's very like what's happening yeah. you don't know what to expect yeah. yeah interesting okay yeah so I would say that 2018 uh, when I so I did my teacher training with Jason finished it uh, came back and then was still doing more I was still in I was like neck deep in teacher trainings we're doing a lot of teacher trainings and, and all that but I was it was also a good thing because I was able to kind of apply what I've learned in Jason's trainings to, to my own graduates or to my own trainees um, content aside material aside I was just also very fascinated with his process because he's also a very systematic guy I mean um, based on if you if anyone has ever listened to his podcast or have seen his sequences you can tell that he is also a step very step very up, systematic yeah. guy so I was always very uh, interested I mean amazed and also inspired by the way he structures his trainings in a certain manner the way he structures his content in a certain manner so I would say that um, beyond the, the material that he, he kind of puts out that was something that I find myself aspiring towards also to make sure that when I lead a training, it's systematic, it's, it's simple enough, it's to the point. Um, because a lot of people who come in for 200-hour trainings, they all come in with a very uh, with slightly different intentions. That some, yeah, they want to do, they want to become a teacher in the future. A lot of some of them could be they've been practicing for a while now, and and they just kind of want to deepen their knowledge through a 200-hour training. Some of them, perhaps, you know, they are in the middle of a job. You know, there's so there are so many different like personal circumstances that that led them to the training and sometimes they also bring that with them and it can what I want okay so the what I'm trying to say is that sometimes they may come into the training um, not really fully focused on the outcome or not really fully focused or being aware of what to expect out of how rigorous the process is going to be like physically mentally so they're so, not aware of it uh? 
yeah, sometimes they come in maybe feeling like, oh, it's just going to be like a boot camp, like a physical boot camp, uh, right? Oh, but true, they true. don't realize that actually it's a lot more than you that. Need because, study, you need to study, you need to pay attention. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's a long day, right? Like yeah. 9 to 5 every weekend. Some people take it as a retreat or so. They kind of just practice yeah. and chill out. But yeah. you got to study, you got to pay attention. It's yeah. a serious thing. Yeah. Right? So we've seen many uh, trainees who kind of get caught up or like got taken aback by mm. the rigorous process of the training. It's intensive. So, yeah, so they struggle. Sometimes they struggle through it. Um, and sometimes they bring their emotions and their feelings along with it as well. So uh, as, a, as a person who, I mean, I'm sure we kind of have semblance of that when we lead group classes. Um, but I feel like in training, trainings, they kind intimate. of... Because it's so intimate and you see them for so long, right? Yeah. They kind of get... Exam, uh, like you know it kind of get amplified a little bit more so needing to kind of uh, not just not manage but not deal with but you know being a witness to whatever that they're hold kind space, of going uh, through yeah. uh, then because of the need to hold space then I think it's even more important that whatever that you're going to be teaching because you're going to be teaching so much is simple and systematic mm. because then they can also see where they're going if you just come in like okay lah today let's just do legs yeah, yeah. then like whatever. okay very, next weekend we'll see how yeah. <laughs> you know then people be like oh what's going on you know um, maybe some t- uh, students weren't really bad and eyelid to it but for me because again drawing back to my type A personality right. drawing back to how I learn um, I need to see where I'm going yeah. with this right so I also want to make sure that if students come to me and say where am I going with this I have an answer to that yeah. um, and, I can, and I can kind of lead them through like okay this is where you will be so yeah so that's why like I that that's that's just really how it is so yeah I mean after doing Jason's training yeah I was interested in the anatomy side of it but I really wasn't quite sure what that meant for me and my own journey whether it's my own um, teaching journey or my own professional journey um, because at that point in time I was still um, running a studio and I was very uh, uh, I mean I think a big part of the bandwidth in my brain was just very much dedicated to running the operations of the studio um, but yet I know that deep down um, it was something that something that I really wanted to do is to put more attention on my teaching mm. and to to be with the students because being a business owner meant that you need to separate the two and you need more time uh, I mean you, you might find yourself spending a little bit more time on the business side of things that's the thing like people have always asked me like oh you know why don't you are you ever going to open up a studio that kind of thing mm-hmm. but then if you open up a studio you're not the teacher anymore you're the business owner yeah. it's like the chef opening up a restaurant he's no longer the cook he's now the businessman you know yeah. he's, you're dealing with numbers and operations and stuff like that yeah. and oftentimes people that come into this line they just want to teach they just want to cook they just want to do the thing yeah. and not have to worry about you know managing people hiring staff and yeah. all this kind of thing yeah. so I guess it probably took took o- away from you yeah. from that teaching partner yeah and also because uh, I knew that teaching and just being with students and being in the studio it's the one that nourishes me mm-hmm. um, so I knew that I kind of wanted more time for that so I think this process kind of, uh, I mean, I think for many people, we all feel the same, is that uh, COVID has kind of changed many things for us. No kidding. Yeah. And yeah. I was also, a, I mean, I also became a parent in COVID. Mm. So I think COVID and parenthood um, really sped things up for me. In what way? In a sense that I was like, okay, I'm not going to be, I have much lesser time now. I have lesser energy now because I have a kid. Right oh, okay. and and 
I therefore want to spend that remaining amount of time and energy to do something that I actually want to do. Uh, and that was when I decided to make the very hard decision of leaving the business. Something that I set up together with two other business partners at yeah. 24, maybe. I think 24. That's a very... Yeah, that's 24. Young, eh? 24. Yeah. Oh, I don't know what I was doing when I was 24. Yeah. I was still like... Mm, <laughs> oh, what I was doing, eh? Yeah, so it was a very <laughs> hard... You are opening a business all... It's a very hard decision to make, uh, but I knew that you it prioritized was something the, that yeah. I had to do. Uh, because also like I didn't want to do something that I wasn't I was no longer happy doing which is the business part of things I love yeah. the community I love the studio of course it's my baby yeah. um, but I think things changed uh, you things, were, you're a mom now yeah, yeah. and, and when, so when students ask me why are you leaving and all that and I say you know my kid she's going to grow up one day and she's going to ask the question like mommy what do you do yeah. and I want to give her an answer that I'm, I'm proud of you know like I can stand by and be like, I'm doing this, right? right? Whatever that this might mean for me. Um, but at least knowing that I can look her in the eye and say that, yeah, this is what mommy is doing. Mommy really loves what mm-hmm. she's doing. Um, and, and I think that was really a very big driving force behind it. So from finishing Jason's uh, training to getting to that point, I think uh, to that point of deciding to leave the business and to pursue something along the physio route um, is really because Yes, I kind of like how the anatomy stuff, like finally things started started to make sense to me. And suddenly things like the biomechanics and the way the human body moves started to look very, very interesting to me. Um, that's one. And then of course, like I had we, I had a friend actually, he's, he's also co-leading uh, an upcoming training with me. He's an exercise physiologist. He's actually physio trained. So he did his physio degree in the UK. Um, so he is my husband's like close friend. But of course, by association, because we are all in the same circle, so we, we, we talk a lot. Um, and I think that kind of sparked that interest in terms of, oh, you know, like what his job entails and, and him, like, you know, helping patients feel better and move better again. That, that was something that was appealing to me. And, and I was like, that's exactly what we do on the mat also mm. in the studio. It's just that it's, it's not mat, in a different, yeah, it's way, a different yeah. way. It's just not obviously not clinical in any way. It's not a one-on-one setting, but that's exactly what we do. And then that was when I had this realization where like, hey, you know, like if this is, if the methods, not that it was similar, but the outcome or the intention are so similar, why is it that as yoga teachers, sometimes we don't feel like we are quite as educated as someone who went through a physio school? Right, and I was just like, no, we need to know more. We need to learn more, and I, that that kind of ignited the process of me, like you know, doing studying a little bit more, understanding a little bit more. Sometimes picking his brains a little bit, like if I have a student with a specific injury or whatnot, and I wasn't so sure about it, I'll ask him, and then we have like a little back and forth, a little bit of that conversation, which always felt nice and exciting, and then something new to learn. Mm. Uh, so that was really like a pretty longish process. Um, then I was teaching the injury management course with him um, and that was towards my tail end of my time at my previous studio already and that was when I was like you know I think I might want to do something either to do a physio degree or to kind of delve a little bit deeper into studying along that route I may not do a full physio degree right because I may not be looking at a complete career change but I do want to know more and learn more so that I can be better equipped to help my students 
not just in the studio, but also if I do encounter people out, like you know, outside in, in a clinical setting and all that, and me as a yoga teacher, how can I assist them to help them move better and help them feel better? I think one of the big insights that I had with my conversation with my friend Station um, is that, uh, and this is something that kind of is like, a, again, a little bit of a light bulb moment, is that people don't usually see a physio unless they're in pain. And the only, or not only, but unless they're in pretty debilitating pain that starts to affect their quality of life, right? So if someone has some pain on the, in the back, chances are 89% of the time they'll be like, ah, I'm just going to wait, I'm just going to stretch, I'm just going to lay down, or like do whatever, right? stop doing whatever that they are doing. Uh, and maybe the pain goes away for a while. And then it comes back with a vengeance. And then now the pain score is like maybe 8 out of 10. And then that's when they're like, okay, something is wrong. I need to see someone, right? So they see a doctor, maybe they get an MRI, maybe. So, you know, before they actually get to the point where they need to see someone with with a pain or specific injury, um, it's usually pretty bad, Hmm. right? Um, But yet in the yoga setting, even though they may not say it, sometimes you do get students who may have specific aches and pains, but maybe like, out of 10, maybe two or three, but they are just hoping that maybe the yoga practice can help manage it. Um, so I think there is somewhat of a gap here because I don't believe that if you only have a pain score of like, let's say two or three, like a little niggly pain or every time you do a chaturanga, your wrist hurts a little bit, but other than that, you're fine, that you don't need to see a physio, right? Um, I think if it's something that you feel that it bothers you enough and you're invested in having a safe practice, then you should see someone and just get it checked out and just make sure that things are okay and know specifically what muscles to strengthen, what muscles to lengthen and strengthen um, so that if you, in your movement practice may not be yoga, it may be other disciplines, you can move in a pain-free manner. But people don't usually get to that point until, they are pre- it, until it gets pretty serious. So I think um, being needing to kind of lower that barrier is important. Um, and, and it's just something that I felt like, I felt pretty strongly about when I was teaching the injury management course because we had like groups of students taking the program, right? Some of them are yoga teachers. Some of them are just students with some kind of injury that they are dealing with or they are managing on the mat and they kind of want to learn more through the course. And then they kind of encounter Seishen who is like some uh, clinical professional and obviously you don't see someone like that unless you have a problem, right? And so the, the conversation and the questions that come up, it's always interesting and very enlightening. I always enjoy leading that training because um, it's always a very, it's always, always like a circle, right? It's never like a me telling them the material. There's a part of that that happens, but a lot of it is them asking questions and us bouncing it back. And like, you know, that synergy that happens with every round of that injury management training is it's always interesting. And I just felt like, you know, like I think there can be more to be done to kind of close the gap between like having access to a clinical professional like that. Um, simply because there's so many, there are more and more people now who have a form of a movement practice regularly, whether it's yoga, BJJ, right, uh, spinning and all that. And I think if you are into any exercise or if you're into any group classes or movement practice, then you should be invested in knowing how your body moves and be invested in how to keep your body strong so that it's injury free so that it's pain free hmm. yeah I know it's a lot I know it's a lot <laughs> I think one of the well it, it's it's very interesting to hear all this 
And it makes a lot of sense. And one of the interesting things that I noticed about you, so on a personal note, is that you're very sure of yourself. Huh? Maybe it's the type A personality thing, but like you're so sure. Like even like say as a practitioner, when you practice, and then you're like, hmm, why is this a particular way or whatever? And then you gravitate towards finding out. Then you found Jason, and then his method brought you deeper into more questions. And even the way you describe your TT, it needs to have an intention. You need to have a, a structure, and you need to. I need to assure people what they can take away from this. And then when you talk about your daughter, like. She needs to know who mommy is, blah blah blah. It's like, wow, you're so sure of yourself, eh? And like, I don't, I don't know what I'm gonna do tomorrow, you know, like comparing myself to you. But then, like, it's so, it's very admirable. That's one, and it's it's quite interesting to see that, and and it shows in in your trainings and your classes, and it's all like very structured. It's very like you just you know what you're gonna get, and the body is something that's even though it's different, everybody's body is different, bones, height, whatever, but it's still the same in the particular way where there is a structure like the skeleton itself is a structure the hand can only move this way it can't move the other way yeah. you know the kind of thing so it's interesting to see that side of it in a yoga setting yoga there is two sides there's the spiritual side there's yeah. the anatomical side and so it's about finding balance mm. some people gravitate more towards the, the yama and yama yeah. the prana and all that kind of thing some people gravitate more towards the anatomical alignment you know ayanga side of it and then it's always about merging those two. Mm. And I guess for you in your practice uh, and, and the things that you've learned and through your just your life, you know, as you, you go about your life and you see certain things and you, and you just want to, you want to um, share with, in that particular style, which is very interesting. You know, I hardly get the chance to, to, to hear about these things, about the body and, and alignment. Mm. And it's true about what you said about movement and how Anybody who is doing anything with the body, like sports or, 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 or whatever, right? You need to pay attention to how... You need to be mindful of what your body's limitations are, how you move, and what is weird or what is natural or what is not natural. Mm. So then I guess, especially with the practice of yoga, when you are very mindful of your movements, it would be good to then know what is what's going on, what to, how to manage certain injuries or... Or just to be just know yourself though, which then you can translate into your class if you're teaching that so yeah. mm. the beauty of the yoga practice is that it is inclusive and it can be for everyone yeah 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 um, having an injury or two or three or four doesn't make you any less qualified mm. to get on the mat um, so that's something that I strongly believe in um, and that obviously I can't help everyone Right. I can't be able to completely assist every single individual into a full-on practice, especially when we are teaching like a room full of like 20, 30, 40 packs of students. Uh, but at the same time, I think just being able to have the confidence to hold space for these people to come in and do what they can, I think it's important for everyone. Because I would hate for, for anybody to come in feeling like their bodies are broken or like they feel like, they're not because qualified. they don't know what they don't know what's going on. Yeah. They can't tell whether is it am I, am I old, am I just yeah. weak, or is it something is wrong, yeah. like anatomically. Yeah. So for me it's like yes, I can give them that feeling that they can come in and practice how they can, but I don't stop at just giving them that feeling, right? I want to also be able to very specifically help them. So if they approach me before after class telling me they have specific injuries, 
um, or things that they are kind of dealing with when they are in their practice, then I want to, I hope I have enough knowledge to be able to, okay, maybe avoid this, maybe do this instead. Yeah. Like, um, obviously not in a clinical setting, I don't have x-ray eyes, I can't see what's going on in there, but I can at least give several suggestions of how to safely adapt right. your practice so that you can avoid things that hurt. And plus and you, have, things that, you have so much yeah. knowledge of the body, of your own body and knowledge like, like from the books and the the courses that you're on, because you're being a, you're studying to be a physiotherapist. Or so, uh, yeah. no, I'm actually not studying to be a physio. Yeah, but that so that's like a possibility that right. I might consider, but maybe not so soon. Like maybe three four years down the road. But I guess comparing to the average Joe mm. blow schmo right? Mm. You definitely know more mm. about the body already, which is very helpful. Like. I think if someone came up to me after class and said like, oh, this pain, that pain, what do I do? Usually my go-to answer is, so, I mean, your, it's your body, like, you know, just trust yourself, which is true. Like, yeah. it's, it's still a valid response. Mm. Like, I'm not brushing them off. Yeah. It's more like, well, I don't know what. Mm. I, I, I'm not a doctor. I don't yeah. know. But I trust that you know, because mm. it's your body. Yeah. If it feels weird, don't do it, number yeah. one. Or if it, and maybe if I know uh, an, an alternative, like, okay, maybe try this. Mm. Hands wider, hands narrower, whatever. And then see if that works. And then and then that's it. It's like a one minute conversation. Yeah. Like, oh well, I shrug my shoulders and like, I don't know. But then for you, if, if someone asked you, maybe then you could have like, oh, because your shoulder, hmm, when I look at it, your shoulder kind of feels like that. Maybe if you do this and you do that, you can give a little bit more proper advice, like like sound advice, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's but very you interesting. You know, it's important to say I don't know. I don't know a lot of things no, because, because sometimes uh, people trust teachers, you sometimes right, yeah. right? Um, teachers feel like they. As, I mean for me right when I first became a yoga teacher and people came to me with like this yeah. whatever right and then you fixed it you make it like well so or you know I almost feel like if I say I don't know you know yeah. I'm I, it makes me any less of a teacher mm. but I think and this is also something that I tell my trainees as well say yeah if you don't know say you don't Stole know one. right Shame. and and even now when students come to me I have this I have that and then I'll say okay what kind of movements worsens it what kind of movements makes it a little better uh, then see, such do, a question like that is really yeah, so interesting do yeah. less of that thing that hurts you yeah. and do more of the thing that makes you right? feel better so, and, and, and like think about that like you don't even need to be a medical professional to, 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 to frame it in that way like yeah. what hurts what doesn't then do the thing that doesn't hurt then the guy will be like Oh yeah, like yeah. why didn't I think about that? And you know? usually my ending to that conversation is always, but you know, if it really bothers you, you should get it checked out. Yeah. And At you should see day. a doctor. Um, because what I notice also is that if someone has had already seen a doctor or has had already have a pretty long-standing relationship with their physios or they've been seeing their physios, so they know that this is kind of like the management phase of their journey or their management phase of their injury. Um, usually they will just come to me and say, yeah, I have this, but so I may back off on certain things, but yeah. no worries. I'm, they I know already, myself. right? Yeah. Yeah. Usually students who kind of come to you with like a little bit more question mark, um, usually it's something that is undiagnosed or they don't know what's going on and, and they're just kind of concerned or worried about uh, whether this will make it a lot worse. Mm. Uh, so, and then, then for that, usually my end, my end point will be then you should go and see a physio or should get it checked out. Um, because I think it's important, right? Um, even a doctor who, I mean, there are yoga teachers who are doctors as well, and they clearly do not mm-hmm. 
do a diagnosis right outside yeah. the studio and like, okay, stand in line and then I'll, I'll come yeah. and check 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 on you. Um, it has to be done in a clinical setting with all the diagnostic tools available yeah. to be able to reach a conclusion. Right. So I think it's the same as well for us. Yeah. And even then, like, you know, you do a couple of tests, sometimes doctors themselves don't know, yeah, right? Precisely. Don't know what's going on. So it yeah. could be anything. Like the human body is so complex. Yeah. It's not like so simple, I guess. Mm. Um, one of your trainings is called Reimagining the Vinyasa Practice. Yes. Right? Cass, is, Cass is telling me about that just now. And um, so it got me curious about what, like, first of all, what is there to imagine, right? If I'm just looking at it from the title itself. Because all the yoga poses, if you go back to alignment stuff, they're all the same. They've been the same for like 10, 10 100, year, 100 over years. Maybe certain things have been improved on or tweaked on because of just, you know, modern day uh, yogis uh, uh, tweaking it and making it a bit like this. Last time got no super soldier, all these kind of things. Yeah, right, you yeah. know? So it's like all, all, it's modern yoga yeah. now. So then, to you, what, it, what does it mean to redefine a vinyasa? Because let's say a vinyasa is bread and butter, you know, like, up, you, yeah. know, you know, exhale yeah. standard stuff. Yeah. And we've been doing that for hundreds of years. Mm. So then, to you, like, what, what does that mean? So when the idea of reimagining the practice is really just an invitation for students to think about what they've been doing for however long they've been practicing for. Um, a lot of the ideas that, uh, that came from this training, I have to say, um, came from my experience with Jason's training as well. Um, and, and this analogy, like I mentioned at the beginning, he's a very big analogy kind of guy. Uh, one of the analogies that he gave was imagine you're training like a software update, right? Like you, you think about, you, you really have all this within you and whatever knowledge that you're going to receive now, it's just a little update uh, to, to whatever you have in your mind. And I, I always found that very interesting, a very interesting viewpoint because uh, sometimes it could almost feel or seem like um, when you do this training, you have to chuck what you've known, uh, what you've what you've known previously, and you have fully embraced this new information that you're going to get from this training, um, which which is often not really the case, right? It's like just a little bit of an update. So um, when I say to reimagine the practice, really is. Um, to think about the common movement patterns that, that uh, we often do in vinyasa-based yoga, which is a ton of forward bends, right? Um, if you just look at the standard skeletal structure of a vinyasa flow, right? You have your standing, reach your arms up, and then forward fold. So standing forward fold is one. Halfway lift is also a forward fold, and then exhale another forward fold. And then you're going to step back to plank, Chaturanga, up dog, and then down dog is another forward fold. Okay, yeah. So if you were just to look at the skeleton of a vinyasa flow itself, a lot of forward bending. Um, and then on top of that, in our practice as well, there's just a lot of emphasis on um, stretching the back body. So back forward bend is, is a, an example of stretching the back of your body. You have things like your pigeons, um, so those are just really examples of you know creating a lot of stretch in the glutes and the hamstrings, for example. I think as a community, we're starting to move away from that. Like there's now a little bit more uh, awareness that for you to be more flexible, you do need to become a bit stronger. But I have to say that in the past, that really wasn't something that was uh, often explained or often said. It's always like stretch more, 
right? Lengthen a little bit more, sink into it a little bit more. Um, but yet, we don't want to just stretch the muscles. We also want to be able to create strength within your range of motion, right? So even if you want to increase range of motion, you also want to have strength in, in those muscles. Um, simply because you, you, you want your body to be resilient to any external stresses that we put into it day to day, even just regular walking, running, jumping, um, even without any movement practice involved. Uh, so that's that. So, I, um, so that idea, that whole idea was very much um, a big thing that Jason has always spoken about. And of course, then in my trainings, it's also something that I speak about a lot also because I fully believe in that and I think it, it's something that makes so much sense and it's something that I think if you are practicing yoga for a long time um, or however long you're, you're practicing for you should be aware of that so that's really that um, if you were to look at just specifically what goes on in the training itself it's a lot of specific drills um, to do just that to strengthen and lengthen certain muscles some, in some case, strengthen the muscles that are pretty much mostly asleep. I always liken this to um, how we are always sitting so much, right? We're sitting on our bums a lot. We are always hunched over. Our hips are always in forward uh, in, in flexion, but it's a very low grade flexion because there's zero muscular engagement to it. It's just like look, just yeah, it's just like, like that. Yeah. yeah, and then the back body is always in a lengthened state, but also in a very weak state. So the vinyasa practice. If, let's say if in our sitting posture, we are already back body lengthened and weak, and then we come to a yoga practice, we do a ton of forward folds, that just simply does not make a lot of sense, right? I'm not saying, so um, I just want to put a big disclaimer, right? Totally not discounting the movement practice at all. There's so much value to it, but I think making little tweaks to it can help to kind of make uh, certain muscles switch on a little bit more. It's more context now, I guess. Yeah. It's not so much just changing what used to yeah. be traditional it's like because like things are different now we need to refine it in a particular way that can now benefit us in modern day setting yeah. so things like even just in a halfway lift mm. I get my students to come up a lot higher so instead of hands on the ground and lift the chest up I get them to bring their hands on knees mm. to lift the chest up so the chest is more in line with the hips right. so it's almost like a deadlift I always liken it imagine this to be a deadlift but you're not holding a barbell right Right, um, you're strengthening you can, the lower back also. Yes, right? you yeah. are, and your hamstrings are actually engaged, engaged yeah. in a lengthened state, which we don't really, we don't really get that a lot. Right. Um, in 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 yoga, because yeah. we always stretch the hamstrings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that could be one of the reasons why we are seeing a lot of hamstring issues with a right. lot of yogis just, who go a little bit too far. Yeah, we just go and yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and once you get it, it's hard to yeah. to That's true. to reverse it. People always say that. Um, People go to yoga because they have an injury, which is yeah. which is great, which is true also. But also people get injured in yoga yeah. from they tear their hamstrings, they fucked up their wrists, yeah. you know that kind of thing. It's mm. you can still get hurt doing yeah. some like doing something as quote unquote gentle like yoga. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So I believe that having a little bit more understanding on how the body moves, um, and having a little bit understanding on how much potential or the capacity specific parts of the body can load. Uh, can help avoid an egocentric practice. Mm, what an interesting way to phrase this. Yeah, because sometimes we all have that phase. I had that phase too mm. uh, when I first started practicing. Ah, this post I saw on Instagram looks so fancy. I'm going to do it. Go. And then you just yeah. go, right? And then like, you yeah. know, you might put something or you might have put yourself in a situation where 
um, the potential for injury is just a little bit higher. And I always say this also to my students and to my trainees is that I'm not saying you should be afraid of the poses. I'm not saying that you should be afraid of your body, right? Um, we need to stress our body in a healthy manner. Every pose in yoga has a risk potential. You choose whether you want to take on that risk potential. So I'm not going to be against you doing that chin stand, but I'm saying that your cervical vertebrae, it's not meant to hold your entire body weight. So if you're jamming your chin down to the ground to lift your legs up, you can do it, but I wouldn't for my own body. Like that's a risk potential that I myself am not willing to take on. But if you knowing this, you still want to do it, okay. That's a very logical way of explaining something like that. But of course, like when you cue that in class, you're not going to be like, hey, everybody, before you do this chin stand, these are the risks, and then yeah. you see what you want to do, now, right? You just yeah. sort of say, say like, hey, do it, or maybe you don't even yeah. cue that in class yeah. because you know of the potential yeah. risk. But then, like you said, every pose has that risk. Head stand, cloud pose, you know, shoulder stand. Yeah. There's a lot of controversy about shoulder stand, yeah. whether you should do it or not. But like it's, it, and even though comparing chin stand to shoulder stand, shoulder stand is relatively all right. You're not going to, you know, fall off and yeah. snap anything. But on the other hand, you could also. Yeah. Just turn a bit, yeah, yeah that's it right there, you know? Yeah. Interesting. But it's true. I agree with that. Every pose, as simple or as, you know, like a, maybe like a fall or something, mm. it could, you could yeah. rip out your hamstrings yeah. or you just go all the way down yeah. or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, and everyone has a different background coming in, right? If I have a slip disc, uh, then the risk potential a of a, a forward fall uh, um, is going to be a lot higher than someone who has no slip disc right, issues. Right. So, you, you know, like just, just going in, so everyone's a bit different um, and, and therefore everyone's risk potential is a bit different as well. Um, I mean, there are like, I've known several amazing, super strong and flexible yoga teachers slash practitioners who can do amazing like chin stands. I mean, since we're talking about chin stand, right? I wouldn't be so concerned about them, you know, busting their cervical uh, disc because I believe that they have the awareness to be able to do it. Um, and the, of course, the relevant strength and range involved. Uh, but again, I can't say the same for everyone. Um, so it's a lot of like, it depends, you yeah. know, it really depends. It's all subjective. Yeah. Like like me- anything medical, like, it's yeah. all like different one. Yeah. If you had a, an advice to give someone in, in terms of all this, what would that generic or like blanket uh, advice be to people just as a safety, like, hey, you know, you know, just take note of this before you do that. Do you have anything for like, like a fancy pose? For for anything? For anything, I guess. With regards mm. to what we just talked about, though. I think to me, it it all boils down to how you view your body, right? Mm. Like, I, I mean, I have to say that like probably thanks to parenthood, thanks to pregnancy as well, is that I have a very big. Uh, respect and awe of my own body like what my body can do right and and when you are able to uh have that amount of like love and and you know and that kind of respect for yourself and your body that's true you wouldn't you would chances are you would not want to do anything that puts you in a situation where you might really seriously hurt yourself and if you were to take that risk Mm. you would be very mindful of it you wouldn't just like kick 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 see whether it can hit or not it doesn't or i slam my head or i bang my, my heels under the wall yeah. and things like that. Yeah. So I would, yeah, so I think um, that is something that sounds simple, right? Like mm. sometimes people say treat your body like a temple, right? Like it sounds simple enough, but I think it's hard to embody yeah. sometimes. Like 
even for me like I would say that out of the practice I struggle the most with like having healthy meals like sometimes when I'm really busy and overwhelmed like I can't think of what to eat next right so I end up either skipping my meals or I end up like eating junk right but if I were to take a step back and be like hey you know like you need to fuel yourself well so that you can be well you can feel well and then secondarily show up well to the various people in your life and commitments in your all life all that through eating healthy yeah, you know? yeah. so um, I think that's then that would suddenly be a very logical a perspective like, yeah. yeah that that makes so much sense and and then in you are, you are just intrinsically motivated to make the right choices so I think it's a practice it's, a, it's always a work in progress mm. some periods we are better at it some periods we may struggle with it but I think at the end of the day it's just it all boils down to being able to love yourself enough uh, mm. to make the right choices mm. <laughs> I like that uh, advice yeah um, you talked about how parenthood changed you what's it like so far being a mom how has that you know what's, what's that what's that like so I Tell think me about your daughter yeah um, she's two now two years one month if that matters COVID baby, baby <laughs> COVID baby <laughs> so uh, home got a lot of COVID babies yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean yeah we, they are all born about the same yeah, yeah, time yeah. so uh, got pregnant in November 2019 and okay, then December 2019 before, yeah. COVID kind yeah. of hit right and then so I have to say that I kind of spent the whole of my pregnancy really being in under a COVID cloud cloud not was cloud that, was yeah. that a good thing or a bad thing? Um, I think being a business owner already ah, in, point, in COVID yeah. in the thick of COVID where Plus COVID is an unknown this. right yeah. uh, was something that was very very stressful I spent pretty much most of my pregnancy at home uh, and in, at my parents' place actually because uh, we our place wasn't ready yet and previously we were staying in my in-laws' place but then my in-laws so they are from Indonesia so they had they flew back just in time for the lockdown oh, they come um, from yeah so they flew back to Singapore just oh, in time okay. for the lockdown and then uh, we had to move up because at the point we took the plane right then they were like I'm not sure if like you know we are carrying anything and you're pregnant so I think we should right, right. so we moved to my parents' place so pretty much spent my entire pregnancy uh, and, 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 and a big chunk of it really at home not doing a lot doing my best to keep up not doing a lot in, in, in terms of exercising and, and just moving um, trying to keep up with online classes um, but on the business side of it just trying to pivot the entire business online keep things afloat uh, yeah and that was at that time like nobody knew if it was going to work everything and, closed was yeah yeah and, and it was just a very very stressful period I recently had this conversation with my husband because sometimes we would think back on those periods, right? And it is like somewhat pretty traumatizing for us because like there was so much moving parts to deal with. Um, and and I was telling him like, you know, my only regret was that I wasn't really present with my own pregnancy because I was spending so much time trying to make sure that we are afloat. Uh, and we, we are okay with the online classes and because it was such a new thing so we had to do all this setup and making sure that okay do people know how to do this and so there was just a lot going on and then uh, so yeah and then I continued teaching online classes at home my husband was like uh, my, my, my model video, demonstrator yeah. because like I couldn't do a lot of things okay, um, so okay. he was like the guy behind while I, <laughs> while I, while I taught the classes um, 
Yeah, so uh, I was teaching classes at my parents' place all the way up till I was about 36 weeks, I think. Second? Was that? No, that's no, the... No, almost done. Yeah. I was like, almost done. So, yeah, so I felt like that was really my only regret. Like, I didn't really... I what? didn't feel like I was very present with my own pregnancy. So then what was the... What was that takeaway for... With that, with that revelation? I think that was a very... That was probably the turning point I wouldn't say a trigger but like a turning point to me to saying dedicate like more okay, time to I should dedicate more time for myself and now that my mm-hmm. baby is out I want to be more present and dedicate more right. time for her that's an interesting and reoccurring theme that a lot of mothers seem to be yeah. to be choosing now so which, yeah. which I commend la, you know it's, it's good to spend time especially those first few months those few years even yeah. where it's it's just you you're connecting you're getting to know this person He's, she or, he or she's getting to know you yeah, yeah it's important uh, yeah. so yeah because my husband is also uh, feel, uh, like he's like a photographer and videographer so um, and, he, um, and he was running his own business on top of that so imagine two business owners in, in COVID plus a plus baby a kid, on the yeah. way so um, something got to give really yeah, yeah so uh, yeah so that, that really was it it was funny because uh, so I think we just like maybe a few weeks before I gave birth, I, uh, we went out for a dinner because for my husband's birthday. So uh, I was like very pregnant there, maybe like 30, 35, 34 weeks. And then, but because I haven't been out much, so I was very taken aback by all the special treatment that people were giving me like, oh, you know, watch your step, oh, be careful. And then uh, at the dinner, the, the, the server, I mean, comment, kudos to him because I wouldn't have that to say that. He, he just told me like, huh, you're going to pop, huh? And then I was just like, huh? I said yes, but then in my mind I was like, huh? do I look that big? Uh-huh. And then my husband was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> like your, your, your bum is pretty obvious, yeah. like you're going to give birth soon. And then it's just like, oh my God, like, you know, that the, the, reality. Like, yeah, the reality, yeah. because like you're cooked in for so long, right. right? You didn't realize that, you know, like the bum yeah, is growing yeah. and people are noticing, are, but you don't notice it. Yeah, yourself, but I, yeah. I just couldn't, it was hard for me to make that connection for yeah. myself. So you like 30 over weeks to like realize like, oh, wait a minute, I'm pregnant. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was, that was like quite interesting. That was an interesting experience. Mm. Yeah. So thanks to COVID. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got to be grateful, I guess, for these things, right? <laughs> got, uh, yeah, I guess. Oh, well. So, you know, she's born mm. and you've, two years ago, she's two now, running around, you yeah. know. Have you, or rather, has she taught you anything? So much. I think she helped me be a bit less type A. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, I mean, toddlers have their moments, right? right. And you can't and really, think, uh, you know, follow yeah, the, the, yeah, the plan. Yeah, so a lot like, of course. So a lot of it with her was just really rolling with the punches. Right. Um, so when she was born, I, 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 so I actually had, I think a first year of parenthood, I was dealing with a lot of like postpartum anxiety. Like it was, it was bad. Like Comical, I would yeah. have, I would actually not be able to sleep much at night if, when I could. And sometimes I would, it was, it gotten so bad where I felt like I couldn't breathe when I was sleeping. Cause like the anxiety was just really overwhelming for me. Um, what was the anxiety about? Like her sleep, her eating. Just worrying about her, yeah, Just okay. everything about her. I think it's a it's it's a pretty common thing with first time like, parents. Are you like you? I don't know what to yeah. do. Like uh. she was also born small, so even though uh, she was born at thirty eight weeks, which is considered full term, uh. she was only two point two kg, and nobody knew why. Like I wasn't expecting it as well because at my week, uh, my weekly visits, the gynae was saying, "Oh yeah, she's about three kg. Like that's normal range." So when she came out small, I think. Uh, what does that mean? Like, um, so 
it's just she's just smaller than what a typical full term baby would be. So she was like in the two percentile or something. Average like is that. what three? Uh, three plus. I would. I think so. Yeah. But what? So like. So, so what? So then you know like the. Uh, and then they were like okay no worries just like feed her whatever right and mm. then I was like breastfeeding and all that and then um, usually they do lose a bit of their birth weight by the time they get discharged uh, the night before she was we were both going to be discharged and the pediatrician came and said that hey you know um, she lost quite a lot of her birth weight so it was like hovering like two now and then he said like you know if it drops further tomorrow like under two we have to keep her uh, just to make sure she's okay. Mm. So I think, and and prior to that, like that first day, the first two days before that second night, uh, we I thought like we were doing quite well with the breastfeeding and she was latching well. It seemed like we we're doing fine. And then suddenly, you know, I get this news, right? Mm. So, um, obviously, like spent most of my time crying because like I was just like, well, am I doing something wrong? Yeah. And I was overwhelmed, yeah, and yeah. and I was just worried that she's not eating enough. And I couldn't tell, right? I mean, when you're latching, it's like you don't know how much she's eating right. and all that. So that's like a very recurrent theme as she grew up uh, is that every time she would have troubles with her milk or like her bottle and all that, it, I just kind of spiral a little bit because yeah, like cyber. it kind of brings me back to like what's wrong? Like, you know, she's small. Which is that type A thing or so? Like you yeah, need to do something to fix the problem yeah, but then there's right? nothing to that's be done. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah, so uh, I think, so I struggle a lot with that. I think the mindset shift only started really happening when she's like after one. Um, Which is a bit bigger It's a bit more yeah, Able to handle herself yeah. And then she now Especially now She's able to communicate And, and uh, she'll be like I'm not hungry I don't want to eat now uh, like, Okay And then she wants to Oh I want to eat now Okay, okay. You know like Yeah uh, so but at least She can tell me But yeah. as a newborn Like just getting to know her I, I didn't know What her cries meant And it was just A lot of like Worrying mm-hmm. And like you said Like a very problem solving Like because Especially because Both my husband and I Are business owners In the past And and so like every time something happens we're like okay what do we do like plan A yeah something. you know we yeah. get into like this mode Interesting. Um, but I mean my husband has been a big rock to this all like you know he witnessed like really the very low moments um, but he's able to kind of just really hold a fort together mm. and, and we kind of got through it well so done. yeah thank you yeah so yeah I would say that she taught me a lot about that and I think right now as she is growing into her own person we are, my husband and I are always also talking about like what are some of the values like we want to inculcate or like what are some of the things routines that we want to put in like put in place in, in quotations right uh, just so that you know she I want her I mean I I, I would love for her <laughs> to grow up to be a yeah. well adjusted you know secure person yeah. right and and that I can't control the people she's going to meet in right, her right. life she's going to meet bad people for sure but my intention of it all is that at the end of the day whatever bad experiences or good experiences that she has she knows that when she comes home we are there for her and we are always her safe space Mm. Um, so yeah you know like uh, recently because she started school in July and then uh, we saw this video it was really cute about this little boy going to school and then he has this affirmation so he would say like I am what did he say like I am strong I am happy I can do everything and then I was like that's so nice to to, to incorporate to, to, inco- some, yeah. to inculcate because not everyone grew up with that yeah. kind of but it's in a very simple very doable thing like yeah. oh, wake up and come what's your affirmation today yeah. say together yeah you uh. know and, and you know in the yoga in the yoga room we are always talking about intention yeah. mantra sometimes affirmations and and you know same like it, I think I truly believe it's, it's the same thing and, yeah. and that, that self-talk 
all starts yes. from us telling them. What you tell yourself is, yeah. is how you see the world. Yeah, so because right? sometimes I, I'm sure like when we catch ourselves saying certain things to ourselves right. and if you dig deep enough and think about yeah. where did that even yeah. come from? You know, sometimes it comes from many various places, right? So, um, yeah, so my only hope for her is that, you know, like, okay, you know, I'll say my husband, okay, let's do it. Like, you know, let's, let's choose something. So we'll say, I'm loved, I'm blessed, I can do everything. Mm. And then, you know, like just... Um, it's like a blue sky thinking, right? Like, you know, the sky's the limit. So Very powerful. Yeah, so... And you plant a, that seed, you know, in that small yeah. mind. She's like, mm, but then mommy said I can do anything. Yeah. You know, like, you know, when she yeah. goes about her day, yeah. something happens, like, but eh, but then... Yeah. But it's funny because when we say, let's do this for Leia. Leia is the name of my daughter. When, I, when we said that, we also will have this moment where we should say this to ourselves. Right. So it's a lesson to ourselves as much as it's something that we want to do for her, right? Um, I think it's also always a reminder for ourselves as well. Because sometimes we wake up and be like, I cannot lah. And like, I'll be like, when we, when, we are encounter, when we are confronted with something challenging yeah. or that we are about to embark on something that we deem challenging, a lot of times we'll be like, we think about 20,000 reasons why we can't do it or why we will be bad at it. Right? But we don't, we, we rarely like it's almost like a muscle we rarely have that muscle to to think about yeah. no you can you know you can to you power can through it. a little bit la. Yeah. I mean we, as adults you know you 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 get a bit jaded the yeah. world weighs down on you yeah. you start to see certain evils in the world yeah. you're like wow yeah. but then as a kid so young and so clean slate right anything yeah. is possible everything is possible mm. but we forget that sometimes and we're still kids right, in, yeah. a, in a way yeah. just bigger uh, bigger kids yeah yeah <sighs> Um, tell us about any more upcoming TTs or workshops that you're having in, you know. uh, so in October uh, there will be the injury management training so it's called managing injuries in the Vinyasa practice so as mentioned I'm leading this training together with Station. so an exercise physiologist he's currently um, treating patients at the stretch clinic so this clinic is located at Oxley Tower so uh, that's something that we are doing so you will expect a 60 minute practice which I'll be leading um, and then after which will be lectures so each day is focused on a different part of the body so we start off with the lower back and then the SI joints third day will be shoulders fourth day will be wrists so we kind of um, the asana practice important yoga all the common injuries that surfaces so the asana practice will be revolving around the themes same with the lectures there will be like we'll look at some of the key muscles that are involved the skeletal structure if relevant and then we'll speak about some of the common injuries that may come up so um, I think it's useful for not just yoga teachers but also people who have been practicing for a while and they are are just keen to learn a little bit more Uh, so that's that and then next January I'm leading a teacher training so that's also happening as well. Seventh Gen, uh, up to seventh April. So it's a part time PT. Uh, Gen to April, all two and a half months. Yeah. yeah weekend, so uh, on the weekend. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's also happening. So I'm like I've been kind of busy just trying to just write the manual, sort things out. Uh, but I'm very excited for the things that are coming in, in terms of the materials that we will be discussing uh, during the training also. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That sounds. It's interesting to look forward to all these things happening with, with, with mindful flow. Yes. <laughs> mindful flow with NGO. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm, I'm good. Uh, I have all my questions yeah, already. Great. Do you have anything else you want to share? Uh, 
Guys, you got any other final questions you want to ask Angie? <laughs> Don't have. She, she's shy. Um, okay. How can people reach you if they want to reach out to you? Social media, website. So I'm on Instagram, hey Angie with a double underscore. Um, otherwise, it will be on my website, myfullflowwithangie.com. Or you can, they can find you here at home. Ah, yeah. And come with classes. Yes. And you're also teaching... Uh, teaching at the oh, clinic, yes. right? So, yeah. yeah, I'm teaching small group classes. It's more rehabilitative yoga at the uh, at the physio circle. Um, it's at their clinic located at Upper Serangoon. So, Wednesday evenings is yoga for back care. And then, Saturday mornings is mobility flow. Oh, very specifically injury. You yes. Know, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's your thing, uh, yeah? Yeah. Okay, okay. Any final words? No, thank you for having me. It's very thank fun you for to being on. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoy it. Yes. It's, it's an opportunity for me to get to know you also and for the people to get to know you. Alright. That's it. Thank you. Hey. Thank you. Hey, Done. that was fun. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. How long was that? Hour? Plus? And this and that's the end. And that's that's the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh I can hear some birds chirping outside. My mom's plants are attracting a lot of hummingbirds recently, especially with the rainy season. I think they come in and hide from the rain. Don't know whether I can hear or not. Okay, they stopped. Uh, if you like what you hear, share it with your friends. As always, repost on IG, tag me, tag the Mostly Yoga page. I'll repost it also. And then you can show your support again if you like to. Donate to the coffee page. Oh. You can't hear already. Can you? Okay, never mind. Uh, donate to the coffee page. Uh, all the links in the description below. Let me know if you have any questions. That, uh, reach out to Angie. She's more than happy to to answer anything or just to let her know that you listen to it and just say hi. Right? She's open to that. Um... I think after having heard uh, the things that, that Angie shared on this podcast gives you a better idea of like the more the more asana side of things, right? We always hear about this like I think most of my guests even me so I like I like the woo, the more woo side of yoga. I like to learn about spirituality and I like to learn about um um you know all, all that comes all that that comes with being living that yogic lifestyle but then it's about balance right you gotta you gotta still be able to know what you're doing and, and how the body works and how do you adapt accordingly so it was a nice little uh, 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 what do you call that contrast duality right uh, do I have any final things to say I think uh, so far I'm done with. Ah, I can hear. I can hear the bird, right? Anyway, I've done. I've recorded most of the people already. So as of now, I'm no longer backlogged by by uh, interviews. So from now on, whoever that interview will straight away, I'll just I'll just edit and I'll pop it out as and when already. So maybe it won't be as frequent depending on whoever or depending on when I get to meet them. Otherwise, um, stay, st- st- you know, stay, in con- keep in touch, <laughs> keep in touch.
keep in touch and then uh we'll just await the next one or maybe in two weeks hopefully i have someone scheduled i have a friend of mine scheduled next week we'll see all right um hope you uh ha- hope everyone's having a great week whatever day you're listening to this enjoy it enjoy be present and that's all okay thank you bye bye